Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Called Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Shadow, host and founder of the Come Up Show. And today, we're talking about mental health and its connection to hip-hop. And this by no means is a comprehensive discussion. I actually was thinking about this today. Uh, I definitely, this is an ongoing conversation. I want to continue it on, and I have some ideas how we can do that in the future. Uh, but I wanted to start a conversation and also get your contribution as the listener and the fans to see where we can take this. Because mental health is a real problem. It has a real effect on our society. 20% of people have dealt with mental health issues or know someone who has. And my guest today is Martin Bauman. You might recognize and know that name because he's been a contributor to the Come Up Show for over four years. He started as a writer. He's hosted the radio show. And he's interviewed so many artists on the ComeUpShow.com and also on our podcast. Like last year, he's like, Basically, the sole guy that was contributing to the Come Up Show podcast. He interviewed people like Mac Miller and, you know, Just Blaze and David Banner and so much more. And he quit his full time as an anchor reporter at a, at a radio station to be able to ride across Canada with his bike to raise money for mental health. And we're going to talk about how hip hop has helped him and why he quit his job to do this mission this summer and so much more. Let's go! Martin, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you. It's it's funny to have the tables turned and also very flattering to have a kind of introduction like that. So I appreciate <laughs> you having me on to talk about this. It's it's nice to be a part of the Come Up Show podcast every time, but to be the guest is a, is a different experience. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, so what do they say? That's kind of meta probably, right? Because we're <laughs> always interviewing people on behalf of the Come Up Show podcast. Mm-hmm. But I'm really excited about this. And you know what? It's kind of timely because... Mental health awareness is kind of going up. You know, corporations are starting to like Bell Let's Talk is a good one where mm-hmm. they're bringing awareness. And funny enough, I interviewed Royce the Five Nine last week, uh, one of the latest guests on our podcast, and he was talking about his alcohol addiction, uh, how he's sober now for over four years, and. You know, people, I don't know if people really think of uh, being addicted to alcohol as a mental health issue, but I, I guess through my research, it is a mental health issue. Isn't It's kind of connected to mental health, is it not, would you say, as alcoholism or no? I think you can you can link addiction and mental health in, as part of the same conversation, absolutely. It, these are, what, where do you draw the line and, and how those things sort of work? I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, so I, I can't explain you know how how one thing is caused or another i mean i think we would be better off as a society if we knew the the answers to those questions but i think certainly you may often see those sorts of things linked together where somebody's going through mental health problems it becomes very easy for them then to also uh use alcohol as a coping mechanism or use other substances as coping mechanisms uh you know we heard heard of self-medicating type of things so i think those often do go hand in hand and it's, it is very common to hear those in the same sentences. Definitely. And yeah, let's, maybe we should give a disclaimer to everybody who's listening. We are no, uh, by no means professionals in the mental health issue. We're just talking about it from our experiences. We are hip-hop fans, but we've all, like I said, that's that, 20%. We'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. If we haven't dealt with mental health ourselves, we know somebody who has in our circle of influence and in our relationships. Definitely. So let's, you know, first let's talk about summer's upon us. It's hot outside right now, <laughs> and I'm loving the weather. But tell me what you are doing this summer, Martin. While many people are planning their summer vacations, this summer is going to be a very unique summer for you. What are you doing this summer? It's going to be a summer I will never have again. This is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. I'm taking a plane, flying to Vancouver. And from Vancouver, I'm going to be biking all the way across Canada to St. John's, Newfoundland. So that's over 7,500 kilometers. I, I totaled it up based on the route I'm taking. And I'm doing it all in the span of three months, from June until the end of August. My return flight is just at the start of September. And it's all for mental health. I wanted to do this for a cause. I thought, 
uh, be a good opportunity if I'm taking this time and, and doing this sort of distance, I might as well do something and raise awareness about a cause that's really important to me. So mental health is the one that immediately jumped to mind. And you talk about, you know, 20% of Canadians uh, either experience it or know somebody who's experienced it for sure. So for me, that's that's definitely the case. I'm one of those 20%. Uh, it's It's been pretty prevalent in my family. Having lost a cousin to suicide when I was pretty young, I was 10 years old, having my dad go through a major bout of depression, having friends go through periods of self-harm or periods of anxiety or periods of depression themselves, and having my own experiences with whether it's uh, moments of anxiety or moments of very low self-esteem and, and low self-worth. Those have, those have been challenges I've had to go through, but those sorts of experiences I've had and I've seen so much around me that it became something I just couldn't ignore. And when I had a, a chance to do something uh, and raise awareness for a cause, that right away I uh, clicked in and I thought, I got to do this. So here I am and uh, you know, a guy who doesn't consider, I don't consider myself a, a biker by any standards of I'm not an Olympic athlete or anything, but I have the time, I have the motivation. And I think it's it's going to be a, a an amazing opportunity to do something that's really important to me and also to see our country in a different way. Okay, so there's a lot to talk about here. So from where you're flying, from Waterloo to Tor Toronto? Toronto, yeah, Toronto to Vancouver, yeah. You go from Toronto to Vancouver, you're flying all the way there. So, and you're, how does this work? You take your bike with you? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's quite the process. So I'm taking my bike with me on the plane. Yeah. You have to sort of unpack your bikes. You have to deflate the tires a little bit. You have to turn your handlebars uh, so that they are parallel with the rest of your bike. You have to take the pedals off. So I have to do all that in the next couple of days before I head out. But that's all part of it. And then I'm taking everything with me. I'm not even taking the backpack. I'm just taking saddlebags that are going to go attached to the bicycle. So packing everything I'm going to need for the next three months into these saddlebags. So between a tent and an air mattress and a, a sleeping bag and pillows and some clothes and all these different sorts of bicycle repair tools. Uh, putting this all, you know, my life basically into these two little bags that I'm going to live out of for three months. So that that has been the process for me right now, just trying to get all that in order so that when I get on that plane, <laughs> then I'm I'm set for what uh, everything I'm going to need for the next three months. That's pretty awesome. So how many kilometers do you say it was again? It's uh, seven thousand. <gasps> it's over over seven thousand five hundred. So this is from uh, <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia to where? St. John's, Newfoundland. So St. John's, Newfoundland. West coast to east coast. It's not quite as far west as you could go, but it is as far east as you could go. So uh, I'll be very excited to see the whole country. Once I've, I was just in St. John's last September. It's been a long time since I've been in Vancouver, so I'm really excited to go back there and also see the parts of Canada that I haven't seen before. Okay, so what's the game plan like? Like what time are you probably going to wake up and how long are you going to bike for? And like you said, you have a tent. You're like, where are you going to be? Like, like, how do you pick a spot where you set up a tent? Like, how does this all <laughs> stuff work? Yeah, yeah, a lot of these questions, thankfully, I didn't even have to think about too much because it's been planned out. So for as far as where I'm going to be biking each day, I'm, I'm planning to bike about 100 to 120 kilometers a day. Wow. And so that would be that would be about five or six hours a day. You get waking up, let's say seven in the morning, eight, eight. I want to be up by seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you're out on the road by eight, eight thirty in the morning. Uh, you bike for a couple hours, you take a break for lunch and then you bike for another couple hours and you're done by early afternoon. Uh, and then you, you know, you have the rest of the day to relax, uh, see your surroundings, enjoy your surroundings and actually, you know, cook yourself a good meal, hopefully take care of yourself and also get out of the, the, the intense sun when it's, you know, at the hottest point of the day, you don't want to be out biking through all that. So, so that's my plan day by day. And as far as how I choose to pull over the side of the road and you know set up camp for a night, I'm following somebody else's route day by day. So this is uh, this route has been planned so that every day you're either at a campsite or you're staying at a motel or you're staying at a ho hostel. Uh, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit so that when I'm going through a city and I already know family or friends, I'm staying with them and I'll have to find a way to get to their house. But it's looking like there will be a good balance of, uh, let's say, for every two, three nights that I'm camping, uh, then there's another two, three nights that I'm staying in somebody's house that week. So 
it should never be too long of a period when I'm just camping day in and day out. There should always be, you know, opportunities in between where you get a roof over your head, you get a chance to shower, a nice cooked meal that maybe you don't have to make, uh, maybe you get a chance to wash your clothes, all those sorts of things that we take for granted when we're going through our regular routines that will be a little different over the next three months. But mm-hmm. but it's looking like it'll be pretty nice and it'll be a good balance of of having that experience of camping, but also what I'm really excited for is meeting new people, meeting people, whether it's at a campsite or, or meeting strangers who are going to host you for the night, uh, resources. Uh, I don't know if you've probably heard of things like couch surfing before, where you, you sort of meet up with these people will let you into their home for the night. Uh, it's a way of staying for very cheap or for free. Uh, well, there's an equivalent for bikers and that's a, a website called warm showers. So I'm going to be <laughs> using that quite a lot. Warm showers. And it's, it's, there it is right there. It's right in the name. You get a place to stay for the night. They they offer you a place to shower, uh, get out from the bad weather. So I'm really excited to meet those sorts of hosts and families and hear their stories and talk to them. It's going to be really cool just to meet new friends along the way. I'm really excited for that. That's awesome. Yeah, man. And you did. You said you you know you've had kind of experience by backpacking in Europe. Now you're going all across Canada, and I have faith mm-hmm. in the Canadian people that where we are hospitable people. And when they hear your story, the story of why you're doing this, I think people will want to open the doors to their their homes. I believe you're raising money for this and getting some awareness. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So I am raising money and I've been really amazingly surprised so far how that's gone. I thought that when I started this ride, I would start the fundraising process as I started biking and see where that took me. Uh, Setting a goal of $10,000 already, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, I'm at $7,900 and I haven't even flown to Vancouver yet. So that's pretty incredible and something I wasn't expecting at all. This money is going to two places. I'm doing the bicycle ride through the Mood Disorder Society of Canada. That's a national organization and they have a campaign called Defeat Depression where they allow you to sign up, organize an event and through them, uh, raise awareness for a mental health cause and also raise funds for a more local charity. So I'm picking a, a more local charity, and that is the Waterloo Wellington Dufferin branch of the Canadian Mental Health Association. That's my home branch. And it's also, I've learned, the largest branch in Canada. It covers a lot of area. Uh, it's Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, Guelph, Orangeville, Mount Forest. It covers a lot of uh, kilometers and a lot of people in that area. So that was important to me to get that balance of being able to have the funds make a difference in my home community and also have the funds be spread out across the country. So I'm really happy that I've been able to find this sort of balance between these two organizations in the Mood Disorder Society of Canada and the Canadian Mental Health Association. It's gone great. Yeah. Now, yeah, the goal is 10000 uh, as As of this recording, you're basically at $8,000, almost at $8,000. I'm assuming you're going to be doing updates when you're on the journey. Like, how can people follow you along yeah. and uh, get inspired and see you? There will be a lot of a lot of pictures, a lot of updates. Uh, I have you know, Twitter and Instagram like most of us do nowadays. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Martin underscore Bauman. Also on Instagram at shot by Martin, but I'll be taking pictures throughout the way and I'll be blogging throughout the way uh, on martinbauman.com and doing doing written updates along the way. I think it's a great chance to share because there's going to be so much inspiration along the way, whether it's just a, the beautiful country that we have and, and sharing what it looks like from coast to coast or stories of being on the road and, and sort of the the struggles that you go through on the road, you know, when things go don't go as you hope, when things break down, but also those moments where you're blown away and whether it's, it's just an amazing moment where you see something you've never seen before or you have this amazing experience meeting these these different people. I'm totally open and excited for whatever's going to come and I'll, I'll definitely be writing it and blogging it along the way. I'm excited for all of us to see the journey. Uh, on your social media, mm-hmm. so you uh, you quit a job, a full time job, a salary job uh, at a you know you went to school for radio broadcasting journalism, mm-hmm. and I obviously I went to school for radio broadcasting as well at Fanshawe College, and we all know how tough it can be when you're graduate college to get a job right away in the market, especially in radio. Mm-hmm. It's really for the people who don't know it's a really tough 
industry to really get, you know, a good job, but you got a, I think you got a job right out of the gate. Basically when you graduated, you got a job and now you've quit the job to be able to pursue this journey for this summer. Before I even get to this, why did you quit the job? After hearing the story, wouldn't the, the employer, your employer say, wow, this is inspirational, Martin. Yeah. We'll just, we'll let you have the summer off and come back <laughs> in September. Why would it let you do that? I mean, I think they, yeah. they, they probably would have had that conversation and been willing to have that conversation. But for me, it was, it's one of those things that I guess it, by conventional logic, yeah, it's a crazy thing to do. You get this job right out of school and, and everybody tells you, you know, hang on to whatever job you can and and treat it like it's, you know, this lifeline and this precious thing that you're never going to have again. And and I, I don't know, I just feel like that priority is a little bit shifted from, from way, the way I see things in terms of, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a, a way of life that a lot of people go through where you're almost viewing life as this ladder where you progress from, you know, you're born and you're at the bottom of this ladder, you, you can't fend for yourself yet, and you slowly progress and progress. You're going through school and then you graduate school and you get a job somewhere and and people only think of progress as, you know, progress through education and then getting a career and then maybe getting married and having kids and retiring. And this this very linear mode of, of progress and a very one-dimensional concept of, of what a meaningful life looks like. And I just, I, I don't quite feel the same way. I feel like there's more to life than that sort of uh, way of thinking about things. So I, I've, I've never been too intimidated about doing things a little bit differently. So... For me, it was more important to me to do something that really meant the most to me. And at this time of my life, that was the bike ride. And and so I was not hesitating at all to put my career on hold, get a chance to do something that really meant the most to me at this time. I, I you know, my career can wait and I can come back and find another job somewhere if need be. Maybe I go back and, and end up in the same place or end up in the same market or who knows what's going to come. But I just knew that I would really have regretted it uh, had I not taken the chance to do what was most important to me at this time. And I think I've heard so many other stories of people when they grow old or people who are well along in their career and they say, I wish I would have done something like that. I've heard that so much since I've made this plan of doing the bike ride. People telling me, oh yeah, we, you know, my, my wife and I, or my husband and I, we had this plan to do this bike ride and then we never did it. Or people telling me, I wish I did something like this and I never did it. And I think it's just that matter of if you don't go in and really pursue what you're most interested in doing and, you know, and go after it now, then it's so easy to just push it off and push it off and then never happens. So it was important to me and imperative to me to follow what I really believed in. In this case, if that means putting a career on hold, then so be it. I know I'm not going to regret the chance to do something that is really a once in a lifetime thing for me. And that's the number one thing. When they surveyed people who are 80, 90 years old, people on their deathbed, the number one thing that killed them was regret. It wasn't the mistakes. It wasn't the actions you've taken. It's the actions you did not take. That's the number one killer. People regret is definitely poison. And I'm glad that you're taking this step, man. And was that influenced at all? Because I know it was last summer you went to Europe and you went backpacking for how many months? Was that influenced by that? Do you think if you didn't do the Europe backpack trip that maybe you wouldn't have made the same decision or no? I think travel definitely shifts your perspective on things because it opens you up to so many other experiences and so many different cultures. And so definitely, I think that played a factor. You know, before that, I was on a similar wavelength as a lot of people where you, you're thinking about, okay, I'm just about done school. Let me get my career started and let's, let's go. Let's get this progress and, and let's grind towards, you know, ending up in a career uh, where I want, you know, get the career I want to have. But through travel, I, I think I realized that my priorities have shifted. And while career is still important, there is other things that are, it's not the end all be all. There are, there are more things to life than, you know, work, 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 work. There's, there's got to be a balance in there. And there's other things to appreciate and enjoy. And you can take meaning from other things. You can take meaning from taking a break from work. And that, and that can be an important thing to do. So getting that experience to travel like I did last summer, I mean, I spent five months, uh, three of those months in school on an exchange program in Wales, and then another two months backpacking and going from country to country by train through Europe, as a lot of people do. And and I was very lucky to do that because not everybody gets to do that. But I think when you get the chance to do something that's different from seeing your corner of the world, so many people 
Uh, and so many people never leave their corner of the world, too. They they think, ah, you know, whether it's uh, people living in the States or living in Canada, they think, I live in the best country in the world. Why would I ever leave? Why would I ever want to go anywhere else? But you don't see what else is out there if you don't travel. And so my perspective has changed so much since being out there and just realizing that, that life is not quite what you thought it was, I think, when, you know, before before you started traveling. So that that's definitely changed a lot of things for me. And I'm sure that had I not done that trip, I wouldn't be doing this bike trip right now. Yeah, I definitely feel you on the traveling when, you know, when you travel, when you go to places, I went, you know, when I went to London or Sweden or wherever, mm -hmm. maybe you're like, wow, there is a whole world out here, man. And if you're one of those listeners, if you don't have a passport, just, just take that one step, just apply for the passport, please, man. Like, you know, flights are not as expensive as you think. If you want to go to one place, maybe just even like, you know, we have tough winters. I remember one of my first winter trips was to the Bahamas and it changed my mind in terms of the sun. And then, you know, the, you know how we, sometimes we get seasonal affective disorder here because yes. it's so depressing for six months of the year in Canada and you go mm -hmm. away to the Bahamas and you get some sun. You're like, wow, that made a huge effect on my energy and my mood. And I'm ready for the rest of the winter. Like little things like that, you know, I believe I got a flight to what the Dominican for $400. Like mm -hmm. you can afford that. You can afford to save up your nickels for $400 and go to the Dominican or the Bahamas or wherever you need to go to. You can, you can afford that if you make it a priority. And one of the things you can get out of this conversation is please just go to one spot, one place, because it will change your mind. And hopefully Definitely. you can, uh, you know, carry that on for the rest of your life. So uh, let's talk about... Uh, you know, uh, mental health a little bit, like mm -hmm. you, you've experienced it through your, you know, your family and your members of your family. How do you think that, you know, this may be a scientific question, you answer to the best of your possibility and answer honestly, how does like, how does mental health issues develop? Like, where does that come from? I think a lot of people maybe don't understand that. I think it is a, it's still a big unknown right now. And I think mm -hmm. a part of that is because it's, it's hard to do the research when people, are less forthcoming when they have these mental health challenges. It's, you know, it, it's easier to document other things and do the research on things when we, you know, people like statistics and like numbers. And when they don't have those numbers available, it's very, very hard to, to get that accurate uh, idea of how these things sort of come about. And so with mental health, people are still reluctant to, to share it when they have it. You know, you wonder with, if part of it is genetic, whether your family history has anything to do with it, whether it can be passed down like that, or if it's just the environment that you're in, whether it's has to do with how wealthy a family is or, or uh, whether it has to do with geography or, or the quality of life, any of those sorts of things. It's, it's hard to say, but I do think that mental health doesn't really discriminate it and it can affect the, you know, the, the rich and the poor and and people just about any of the world in the world all the same. I wish we knew where it came from so we could realize how better to prevent it and treat it and, and uh, you know, document it and, and get a better sense of how to approach it. But I think that's still an unknown for a lot of a lot of researchers in, in the, you know, the medical community or the scientific community, how to how to get a sense of where this comes from and, and why it happens. I'm still learning all the time. And I think having these conversations helps in terms of hearing somebody else's story and hearing, okay, maybe this event spurred this. And, and I think when you talk about your own experience, you can kind of look back and, and see where the, maybe the dominoes sort of fell from one instance to another and, and how this event in your life has caused all these sort of chain reactions that you maybe didn't realize at the time. But when you take the moment to reflect on them, then then they get more meaning. I think in my case, that's definitely been a factor where when I think about for instance my cousin's suicide I was 10 years old when that happened and for probably a decade I didn't talk about that to anybody it was it was something that happened and and some people knew about it I mean obviously my family knew about it and my best friend knew about it but it's not something that you you know you bring it up at uh you know parties and saying hey nice to meet you and you know this is what happened in my life it's it's a deeper conversation that a lot of people don't have until you're really comfortable with somebody so so that was very much kept sort of in the back of uh you know on the back burner or it's sort of kept hidden from what other people knew about me and so i'm sure that affected me in terms of just what it's like to lose somebody at such a young age and 
not really seeing the signs that something like that was going to happen. Um, and, and seeing also just the loss, the sheer loss that uh, a death like that can bring. That has had its own consequences, I'm sure, in me making sure that I'm, I'm never going to get to that stage because I don't want to put anybody through the sort of pain that I saw uh, in my own family in terms of what a death like that can bring to parents. I don't think a parent ever wants to bury their child. That's something that you wouldn't wish on anybody. And so I think you can take those sorts of things from your own experience too. But I think, yeah, when you take the chance to look back on, on events that have happened in your own life, I think you can sort of get a better understanding of why maybe you are the way that you are when you look back at the instances. Um, so that, that suicide was one case. Another case for me would be looking at my dad's major depressive episode when that was, I was 13 when that happened. So that was just a few short years after my cousin uh, passed away and took his life. So again, that was an instance where, you know, people wouldn't have known about that until I started talking about this very recently. And it was something that I was very sensitive about because it's it's hard. I think it, the closer it gets to your family and the closer it gets to you, the harder it is to to talk about it in some ways. Uh, you don't want to uh, in some, I, I don't want to, you know, reveal something about a, a loved one that they don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about themselves, or uh, you don't want to feel like you are, you know, provoking anything that they don't want to relive and, and go through again. But that had its own effect on me, just in terms of seeing somebody closer to me go through it and realize I better be that much more wary of my own mental health because it can happen to him it can just as easily happen to me so when I've had my own cases where I'm I'm feeling low I I kind of have that perspective to draw from and I realize okay I've seen this before there are there are ways to get better and this is this is you know the healthy way to approach it and and this is another path that I don't want to go down so I think those are lessons to learn from when you have that perspective and you can look back on it that's a great point. And I think, um, you know, obviously people, there's like, you know, probably a countless of research on, on Google that you can find, but are, what are ways that you can recognize and also make sure that you don't fall victim to mental health issues? I think maybe the biggest way is just being honest with yourself and being honest with uh, the people that you trust and people that you love and, and care for you so that you're not keeping it to yourself. If you're going through something, it's so much, I think you, you can, the mind has a tendency, at least my mind does. I'm sure I'm not the only one to, you want to keep things to yourself and you kind of want to shoulder the burden like, oh, I'm, I can handle this on my own. Uh, but it's, it's so much easier to, once you have that conversation with somebody and talk about it, uh, you realize it's really not that big a deal to talk about. You, you have this tendency, I think, to build it up into something that's much scarier than it actually ends up being when you have those conversations and say, Hey, I've been going going through a really rough time lately, and then, then you know, all of a sudden you got an ally instead of uh, going through it yourself. You have somebody else to lean on, and they can help get you through it, and they can check in with you and make sure you're never too down. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned, and and I would say has uh, been a something that I've come to know over the years and over these last couple of weeks and months that I've really started talking more about my own family story and, and my own story and, and trying to uh, get the word out on this. Let's talk about hip hop and the connection that hip hop has with mental health. Yeah. Martin. I'm sure a lot of us who love this culture, we all have our own stories of just what an amazing force it can be in your life. And for me, that was definitely the case. I think when I look at my own, my own story uh, for me, it was a lot of it has to do with the way that you see yourself and, and self worth and self-esteem and so for me that that process you know grade seven and eight was was really a low point for me I actually there were times when I I didn't even really want to look in the mirror like for for weeks at a time and wasn't really comfortable with doing that sort of thing and it took me a while to get through that and then simultaneously as I sort of discovered hip-hop I think it's such an empowering genre and can be so much of it is filled with self-confidence and and self-affirmation and and these rappers that are, you know, saying you can do anything you put your mind to, these rappers that are, you know, saying these lines, whether it's stuff like I love myself or stuff 
I'm the best. uh, Yeah, I'm the best. Anything like that, you know, uh, it it just, it can fill you up with so much energy and so much confidence. And that for me was like the perfect antidote at the time. So this transition from grade seven, eight into high school. And as I fell more and more in love with hip hop and got deeper into it, uh, that became a, a voice for me. You know, I started out in hip hop first as a fan and as a as many fans go you you kind of go one of however many ways a lot of us try out at least one element of the culture and for me i started trying to to write some raps uh, i mean i i tried break dancing and that didn't go too well so i stuck to the emceeing and and that was a way for me being this shy kid that wasn't too comfortable in my own skin at times uh finding a voice and first if it was just you know in my own corner of the room writing down on a, a scrap of paper and then, you know, typing it on my computer. But eventually that, you know, you, you record those raps and then you rap them to friends and you get this confidence and, and it just grows and grows. And so for me, hip hop was this force where I was able to find confidence within myself and really, uh, it really helped with my self-image in terms of just listening to hip hop and, and listening to artists uh, talk about similar experiences and, and, and just get that boost of confidence from them, but also to be able to write about what I was going through. It's a very, I think, therapeutic thing to to create art in any form, and hip-hop is absolutely an art form. And so that creative aspect for me was another uh, moment where it just allowed for so much progress and so much growth, and it's it's continued ever since then. So what were some songs, uh, examples of songs, lyrics? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, so many. I think for me, it's that moment when you're listening to a song and you know you get the, the goosebumps on your arms. You can feel it. You get For me, I get like a chill through my body. The hair starts to raise in your arm and you listen to this, this, this one line or the way that somebody says a particular thing and it just changes everything. Songs like, for instance, I think of Things Are Looking Up by Classified was one of those songs for me when I was going through low points. I could listen to that and that was one of those songs that puts you in a better mood and you can relate to him classified such a you know chill guy such a humble guy and he was the right messenger for that sort of song in that case uh i think of songs like when i have you by rhapsody that that album uh the idea of beautiful was a big one for me a couple of years ago listening to that and and her story being an artist uh from north carolina really grinding and and trying to get that respect and she had been you know doing this for years and and the struggle of being an artist who may have, you know, been maybe building a fan base, but you don't see the results all the time. And it, it takes a long time. You know, they say, you know, it, what's 10 years for an overnight success. And so her her song is sort of about that idea of of just how long it can take sometimes. And, and also learning to uh, accept support from other people. You know, she has a, she's talking about having to accept, I think her mom buying her a new car and having to accept uh, people putting her up in a house and letting her sleep on their couches for a while as she's going through this this uh, struggle to really pursue what she's passionate about. And and that song, even if you're not relating to that same experience, you can take so much from that sort of thing. The, the line in particular, she was saying, Ninth Wonder told her, the ones winning, it's, uh, man, it's, it's something like the ones winning got ones beside them. So the ones that the ones that are succeeding have you know these people that are supporting them in place. It's nobody can do this by themselves. You have to rely on each other, and so that was a, a lesson I think to take from that. But there's so many different songs from that to to classified to anything that Shad writes to to uh, Blue and Fashion. There those there were two albums big for me. It was Below the Heavens was one. Uh, a lot of people I'm sure enjoy that album. Then Fashion's Boy Meets World. These two sort of uh, MCs at similar points in their life. I think Fashion was 21 years old when he put that album out, and Blue was 22, 23 years old, I believe, when Below the Heavens came out. I could be wrong on that, but artists uh, at a similar sort of age point talking about coming up in life and and uh, what it's like when you're sort of at this stage when the world has all this potential in front of you, but you're you're trying to overcome certain elements of your past. And and yeah, anyway, there's there's so many different songs out there. It's that's the beauty of music is you you can just keep on discovering more and more songs and albums that can teach you about an entirely different viewpoint or or give you something to relate to your own life experience. Uh, those are those are the ones that come to mind for me. I'm sure you got your own too. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, 
you know, recently we could say even Kendrick Lamar, uh, I love myself, mm-hmm. you know, you, yep. like swimming pools, like he's talking about, you know, the things about from being addicted to alcohol to, to loving himself and like you, you know, is just not loving the person that he sees in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I think I'm noticing um, uh, in this conversation, and I know this from personal experience as well too, that you cannot be isolated you can't do everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in this journey, especially in Western society where we have like, you know, it's all about you doing, you can do anything you want to do, but like it's all about individualistic kind of tendencies mm-hmm. where it's all about you in the mirror. Uh, and if you are a creative and artist, you're obviously entrepreneurial and you are doing a lot of things by yourself on your own. And so being isolated, and I think I can also speak about this, growing up in London, Ontario, and doing the come-up show, I didn't feel like I could talk to a lot of people and the struggles that I was relating to as the guy who created the come-up show, mm-hmm. this award-winning radio show that was like one of the, the most popular radio show on uh, Western radio and all these successes that the come up show was accomplishing. I didn't do it all by myself. I had people obviously contribute, but myself as a leader, as the creator and founder of it, I didn't have any mentors. Whether that had been my fault, I didn't reach out to people or I felt like I'm going to do everything on my own or maybe it was I was limited in London, Ontario. It doesn't matter, but it's only so, so far you can take it on your own and you can definitely feel anxiety. You can feel depression. And, and even though you know what your passion and what your love is, if you feel like you have no direction, no one helping you in terms of taking it to the next level and somebody who's been there and done that already, uh, you could definitely struggle and you could definitely worry. You can definitely say, like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, one thing that I've really enjoyed about having the chance to do these interviews with artists in the past is some of the, you learn so much from these conversations with different people. And the one thing I picked up was just how detrimental pride can be as far as like what can really bring you down. Uh, pride can be such a destructive thing to have uh, this, this idea that I got to do it by myself. You know, it's me against the world. And, and if I can't do it myself, I'm a failure. I think that that is such a, that could be such a burden and such a, destructive mindset to have and that's something that I've had to learn myself because I'm one of those people that I really do like to do things myself a lot of the times and and you like to have that confidence to do things yourself but sometimes you do have to sort of take a step back and realize okay maybe somebody else can help me get to where I need to go or or maybe you know maybe it's okay to to ask for help in this area in order to really you know go where this needs to go maybe Maybe it takes adding another set of helping hands or or opening it up a little bit more and, and seeing what somebody else might bring to the table rather than just trying to do it all yourself. And so I'm, I'm imagining, you know, for you, you, you know, you have this the come up show and you're doing it by yourself. And somewhere along the time you, you want to expand and you got you want to get a team around you. And then you you're like, oh, I, I guess I got to get these other people who want to blog about stuff. And I, I got to get photographers and, and let's see how I can make this grow. Uh, more from just a one-person kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And um, definitely realizing the value of having a strong social circle and uh, people, mentors as well. Mentors is something that's been coming since I was 21 years old when I created the Come Up Show, 22, and I was reading books. You know, I created the Come Up Show and I was reading books on success psychology and Mm -hmm. motivation and like following people like Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy and all these names the one thing that kept coming up is mentorship, going to people who've been there before and people obviously who've been there before. So that means people that might be older than you. And that is key. So that's a theme that has been coming uh, across my life in the, in the past year or so. That's really, 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 really important. So you know that you're not alone and you know that there is a way and to show yeah. you that guiding that path. You know, that's so that's been so helpful too, uh, as far as the bike ride goes, because, uh, I feel like there's there's sort of two sides to that. There's a lot of people, just about everybody has an opinion, and they will, they'll have no hesitation in telling you how to do something that they've never done before. I'm sure you've heard a lot of advice on how to run the come-up show from people who've never run a radio show, never had anything to do with hip-hop at all. It is so much more helpful when you have people who have done these sorts of things before. 
and so in, in my case, uh, doing this bike ride, you know, you, you're talking to so many people about the ride and people are curious about it, but they want to offer you advice and they haven't done a bike ride like this before. So it's not the most helpful advice to get from somebody. If I want to learn about how to, to survive going across the country, I want to talk to somebody who's done it before. And it has been so valuable to have those experiences of talking to people who've gone. I, I've been able to go back and forth with a guy who went from uh, Ontario all the way down to San Francisco, California, talk for, to a family of four or five who biked with their you know, two young kids from the West Coast to the East Coast in Canada. And and the more stories you hear and, and the more people you get to talk to, it, I think it broadens your perspective and makes you realize that what you're trying to achieve is possible. And it's so crucial to have those sorts of people to talk to you rather than talking to people who haven't done it. And, you know, there's so many people who haven't done it and they'll be the first ones to tell you that you can't do it either. That's why it's been so crucial to me to, to find those people that have done it uh, because it just encourages you and empowers you to pursue your goal, I think. Definitely. Because when you're on 4,651 kilometers in the Midwest somewhere, you're like, oh, because you know your mind might be like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Am I going to do this? Am I going to make it? You can hopefully remember, yo, people have done this. You know, people have accomplished this. Exactly. And like, <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. Is there anything that you want to talk to that, talk about that we haven't touched on? Or, yeah, you know what? Um, or, or what? I was yeah. thinking about the one thing. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's this matter for me, I think, it, it kind of going back to the, the, the idea of why you quit a, quit a career or why you do anything really what why you're motivated to do anything in this case i feel like there's moments in life where at least in my instance the way i see things you you kind of get a sense whether it's in your gut or wherever you you get the sense from of of what you're meant to do in a situation there's there's been instances for instance when i you know i used to i told you i used to write raps and and then all of a sudden uh, i recorded my last project uh, a couple of years ago and then I haven't written a song since then. And I think that was sort of a sign that it wasn't that I lost interest in it. I still love listening to hip hop, but I just kind of realized, okay, this was, you know, this was the chapter of my life when this is what I could do. And now that, that energy and that uh, talent has been focused on something else. And now this is what I'm supposed to do. It's like the ability that I had to just keep on coming up with endless lines it's just gone and i realize okay maybe i'm meant to do something else right now and so i think it's it's been a, a process of sort of paying attention to those signs for me and realizing what what any particular path i'm supposed to be taking or i or i path is open for me one example of that for me has been when i was in first year university when you and i met you were you were at crrw at the, at the time you were the music director. By the way, I was the program director. Program director. Yes, director. yes. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as you can see, it's been a while since I've uh, been in that environment. Uh, so I was I was coming in as a first year university student and had heard of the come up show already. And I signed up for my one on one you know, radio training 101. And I don't think I knew that you were the program director at the time. And I come in and I see you there. And I was like, wow, what I, I recognize this guy and um and start hanging around and doing the, the training and sitting in as you and jr are doing the come up show and i remember honestly uh telling my friend when i went back one weekend i said uh, I've, I've had a great time uh sitting in on this this come up show and it's a lot of fun i i gotta get involved in this somehow literally the next day is when you put out the internship applications and i was like okay that's you know that it, it, sometimes the, you know signs come from the universe. I feel like, and that was a sign. You kind of just have to learn to pay attention to the signs because I, I feel like those those signs are all around you. And maybe it's just a matter of being open to possibilities. And maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe I'm drawing meaning from things that aren't necessarily there. But I think when you're open to any possibility, then the possibilities present themselves to you. And in that case, that was a very blatant example of wow, okay, I just had this conversation. Now here's the application. Obviously, uh, the rest is history. Here we are talking right now and, and however many interviews have happened in between then and now. But it's just one of those things that in life, that was a very obvious sign. And now for me, this this bike trip was a sign where as soon as I started thinking about it, I it was this was like late October, I was interviewing somebody about a, a ride that he was doing 
uh, he was doing a 50-kilometer ride for uh, an event called Ride for Refuge, which is in support of refugees. But he was talking about what that meant to him to do that. And that night, it really got the wheels turning. And right away, I, I realized, okay, this is another sign right here. I'm going to take this and, and go with it, and I'm going to bike across the country. So I think it's a matter of just paying attention to those sorts of things. That's That has been a big sort of constant in my life over the past couple of years, being willing to listen to what the universe is trying to tell you, I feel like, and, and following through on that. Is it what the universe is telling you or is it what your gut is telling you and your instinct is telling you? Or Yeah, and I, and I, in some ways I wonder if it, it matters which one as long as the, I mean, the end result is the same. You're, you're taking an opportunity. I think that's the bottom line is whatever, whatever meaning you want to derive from where, where these opportunities came from, whether they were presented from you know, the universe conspiring to help you or whether you're creating these opportunities for yourself by uh, looking for them. The end result is what matters, and, and I think it's just being open to the possibilities around you. I think so often we have blinders, and, and we, we stay so focused on one thing when there are other opportunities out there. So, for instance, I could have stayed focused, okay, I've got this full-time job, let me just focus in, you know, really work these next five, ten years so that, you know, I'm by the time I'm 30 years old, I'm, I'm well into my career and I'm, I'm where I want to be, whatever that looks like. Obviously, I didn't do that. Instead, so this other thing came up and and I paid attention to the opportunity that was there. And I thought, okay, let me go do this. I think that has been a big lesson for me is, is just being aware of those sort of opportunities. Definitely, because you don't know where it could take you, right? Like mm-hmm. you would never think when you applied for an internship four years ago for the mm-hmm. come-up show that you would interview hundreds of <laughs> artists and get to where you're at. And you never think that who knows where this decision may take you, right? You may not get this back at the same, you know, a radio station that you're working. You may get a better opportunity. You know, if I'm just going to, I'm just, you know, just throwing out scenarios here. You know, if you didn't do this bike ride and you continue to do this job, you're working at an AM station, right? Yeah. Maybe in five years from now, this AM station does not exist anymore. And you're like, what's going on? Like, you're going to be like, why didn't I take that sign back then? I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm obviously just throwing out ideas or whatever. I don't want to say, I don't want to wish that, <laughs> but like no. when you don't follow the signs from the universe or your instinct or wherever, like I said, regret can be poison. And you can be like, why didn't I not do this thing? Mm-hmm. Because even if you take, even if you make a decision and do something, and even if it's not the best thing, it wasn't the best decision, you're still going to get something from that by taking action. You're still going to learn something rather than not taking action or, mm-hmm. or inaction. I think definitely regret most often comes from the things that you do not do rather than, oh, I regret doing this. You know, it's, I regret not acting on this or I regret not pursuing this sort of passion. And so, and it's crazy because just before we were doing this podcast, I was listening to Logic's album, uh, the incredible true story, the one he just put out a couple months back, and and like the final song is talking about how crazy it is to spend your life doing something that is that you don't love doing or that you're not the most passionate about, not pursuing your dreams, uh, and that's I think that's what we're talking about right now is just just how important it is to pursue what you're really passionate about. Because the end result, if you don't, is is regret. So I have, I know already, I I won't regret a minute. You know, if even if I'm stuck in the rain somewhere and my bike is breaking down, I don't think I'm gonna have any regret whatsoever about taking the chance to do this because it, it's just something that matters to me. The chance to to continue this conversation about mental health and also to just do something totally different and have. The memory of a lifetime. Definitely. Well, by one metric, it's already a success because you already got eight grand raised and you haven't even left yet, right? Like, totally, yeah. Th- like that's eight grand that there wasn't, you know, created or ra- raised for uh, an issue that you believe in and, uh, and something that, that is important. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Martin Bauman? I'm sure there's so many things to talk about. I feel like we've we've covered so much. I've, you know, spouted off the things that I want to spout off on, but you got other things you want to go with then by all means. Definitely. So once again, give them those links on uh, the social media so they can follow you on the journey mm-hmm. and also where they can donate to the campaign. Yes, absolutely. So you can follow along through all, all of the ride. I'll be blogging from June until the end of August on this on this bike ride. And, and I'll be on Twitter at Martin 
underscore Bauman. That's B-A-U-M-A-N. On Instagram, at ShotByMartin. On the webpage is martinbauman.com. And then if you want to donate, if you're so inclined, uh, you can do that online. There's a website. It's mdsc.akaraisin.com slash martinsride. You can also donate if you want to write a check to the Mood Disorders Society of Canada and you put Martin's Ride for Mental Health in the memo section. That'll get it to the right place too. But anyway, I think even, you know, the conversations that we're having right now, that that makes such a difference. You know, um, I've realized the power that conversation can have because it's made a difference in my own experience. And, and I know that it can have that experience and that impact for other people too. Yeah, this is the first time we've talked about this on the Come Up Show podcast and it's definitely not last if you, to the people listening, please share your stories with us. You know, uh, you can comment on the SoundCloud, tweet us at the Come Up Show, or email us at info at the Come Up Show dot com, uh, because this is an ongoing conversation and it's uh, it's something that I want to hear your feedback and your stories. Uh, yo, Martin, man, I'm really, really proud of you, bro. You're just, you know, honestly, you're special. I was telling my my girl, you're a special human being, bro. Like doing what you're doing, going on this ride and, you know, your character, your integrity and all the things that you've also done for the come up show as well, too. And people appreciating what you've contributed. I wish you well, man. And I'm excited to follow along on your journey, on your social media. And uh, thank you, man. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you. And, you know, I, as I look back in, into, you know, four or five years ago and you really giving me that shot in pursuing something that was really I was really passionate about and and all the amazing things that have come from that that I you know that never would have happened had I not followed up on taking that internship and and had we not crossed paths and so I'm so thankful to have had that experience and and been a part of this it's it's been a blessing to been able to be a part of this these past couple of years and I'm so thankful to continue to to have that relationship and uh and thank you for giving me a spot to uh to talk about this ride and and you know keep this conversation going as Woody Allen said, 80% of success is showing up, peoples. So show up, take those opportunities because you never know what can get you. And thank y'all for listening to the Come Up Show podcast. We'll see y'all next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.